Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by the United Ways of Chautauqua County. United Way is a nonprofit organization that mobilizes the community to help every person and family improve their lives. Donations to the United Way stay 100% locally in our community and get invested in more than 40 community-based programs. These programs help students achieve academic success, families to be self-sufficient and financially stable, and vulnerable households to get their basic and emergency needs met. The United Ways of Chautauqua County, proud supporters of community radio in Jamestown, New York. To learn more, visit uascc.org or call 716-483-1561. Allery Town Supervisor Larry Anderson sent a six-point plan on rehabilitating and protecting Chautauqua Lake to the county legislature. We spoke with County Executive P.J. Wendell about that proposal and numerous other topics. We welcome Chautauqua County Executive P.J. Wendell to the WRFA studios this morning. Hello again. Good. Well, hello. Welcome. Yeah, it's like we, we just saw each other not that long ago. I said about, you know, 12 hours ago. About that, yeah. So, but yeah. And uh, last night's uh, Chautauqua County Legislature meeting had a number of things that we, some some things we expected that we were going to hear more about. One thing that wasn't on the agenda that came up, and this was a six-point plan proposal by the town of Ellery on creating a management plan for Chautauqua Lake. And we we had this story in our news on Thursday morning, and I, and we and you and I talked afterwards as well. But what in in this plan that Ellery is proposing is different from what has already been done with this, the Chautauqua Lake Rehabilitation and Protection Agency. So, you know, first of all, you know, for the record, I, there are several things that we agree to. Um, I'll go back to, a, a, you know, the phrase by John Wooden. It's amazing what can get accomplished when people don't worry about who's getting credit, you know. So the topics that came up in that six-point pro, uh, proposal are things that we have been discussing. Um, so the reason I, I proceed with that is because... The um, CLRPA study that was being done, this one started in 2017, and this group was formed, and it was to, you know, run its course, do its due diligence, come through with a study, and then come with a recommendation. Well, to be honest, you know, there were several people that were um, concerned that, you know, they weren't following uh, the scope of the the, study. the study that, uh, you know, there were different things they weren't following. They kind of jumped around. They weren't keeping the residents informed, those types of things. Well, um, the same, the town of Ellery had their own informational meetings. And depending on how you listened or heard them, there were some that felt they were very controversial and they were trying to derail the process. Uh, having a meeting with, with Jim Warfritz and Larry Anderson last week, that was not the case. Uh, but that wasn't spelled out. Their concern was let's slow down the vote till we get more information. Consequently, the, you know, the, the CLRPA uh, voted against proceeding and was disbanded by the, the chairman. But having said that, you know, for the last two years since I took office, the lake has been a focus of mine. Not only, you know, Chautauqua Lake, all of our, lake, our lakes and bodies. We've been out to Finley Lake. I've been up, obviously, up to Lake Erie. But Chautauqua Lake is our big engine. I live, you know, a couple of blocks away. I was there, you know, from the village of Lakewood, then as a legislator, and now as county executive. So this is my main, one of my main focuses. But 
you know, this, this point that they're bringing are things that we have been talking about. You know, back in November, you know, prior to the information coming out, I, I sat with Mark Geis uh, from the IDA and Pierre and said, you know, let's, you know, what's, what's plan B? If this doesn't work, you know, should we strategize and get with a plan B? And they said, well, you know, let's, let's let the, you know, the, the study run its course, let the information come out. Let's look at, you know, what's happening. Uh, things took a turn, obviously, and, and it ended ab abruptly. But these discussions, as Don Emhart from Chautauqua has said, of a boat user fee is something we've talked for the last two years. Now, prior to Ellery's announcement, I have had discussion with several people in leadership, including Chairman Chagnon and Don Emhart, about a year ago, that let's focus, you know, there was criticism. Uh, in fact, even by Mr. Werfritz, you know, the county can't seem to do this, so let's let others. And you know what? I don't disagree in the fact that it would take the uh, the concern or the the suspicion of of you know political you know m motives going forward. Let's let the five town supervisors proceed. And then my option was, you know, do we want the four mayors? Yeah, you know, we. I'm not saying we don't want them, but if the town and the village have opposing views, is that the best thing for that area to put those two municipalities against one another? So I was moving cautiously, and the more we talked, and there was a change in leadership. So again, like the Ellery plan, you know, putting uh, more weight into the hands of the elected officials that surround Chautauqua Lake. Um, so again, those are things we agree with. You know, again, we we said this. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know shout from the hilltops every time I have a, a, a thought, but we met with Julia Barrett O'Neill from the DC. And she said, what is your goal for the lake? And you know, I left that meeting like, yeah, what is our goal? So I've asked the Alliance, I said, we need to establish a goal for Chautauqua Lake. You know, people on the Alliance want fisheries. People want, you know, usable for boats. Some people want navigable water. There's a myriad of things, but we don't have an overall goal. And what is, you know, what are we all working toward? Well, a cleaner lake. Well, you know, it's it's amazing if, you know, many hands make light work. If we work together, things are going to get accomplished. So that's, you know, there's a lot of good ideas in that plan. But, you know, the request, you know, the asking for $7 million, you know, the county cannot give another taxing jurisdiction money. So the ARPA funds, we can't give the town of Valerie if this is the case. Um, and I'm not focused on whose plan it is. I'm focused on working together. Uh, I have been doing this with our lake partners, Chautauqua Lake Association, Chautauqua Lake Partnership, the Watershed. And we've kind of, we, kind of, we've kept in the loop Chautauqua Institution because they are a large landholder. So again, you know, this is a matter of everybody working together. Let's not say, you know, I have the most shoreline. I should be part of this. And we have the best idea. So it should be our idea. We need to get everybody to work together. We have had third-party studying going on. Uh, ironically, years ago, um, Chautauqua Lake Partnership, CLP, said that uh, they needed to have a third-party monitoring for the herbicides. Recommended by CLA was NC State, Dr. Richardson. So that study was brought about, you know, Dr. Richardson's doing his study. And again, from... North Carolina State doesn't have a dog in the fight in Chautauqua County, so that is pretty third party, right? <clears throat> um, but you know, well, they're tied to the CL, they're tied to the herbicide people, <clears throat> whatever. Um, you know, so there is science. There's a Jefferson Project, which is very um, unbiased. You have the NC State, you know, looking for you know the weeds and the herbicide use. Um, so there's a lot of science going on in the lake right now. We're going to continue that. And that's my my pledge is to continue the science. Um, but again, you know. We need to look at another third-party university, but you know, a third-party university that has ties to the people that are proposing yeah, the, the study. So is it really third-party, or is it just 
I want my group to come in and do the study. So again, we have our work cut out for us. There's a plan that, that I have, we've been talking about with the Alliance. I've asked the Alliance to step up and take more leadership roles in what we're doing with the lake. Um, so again, I want everybody to work together. I'm not ostracizing the town of Valerie with this plan. It's, it's a, again, I met with them last week to say we, we are, we have the same ideas. Um, it's just a matter of getting them, you know, down and getting, you know, people moving ahead. So um, interesting point, some of the comments that were made. Uh, but again, it, it's all the passion is about the lake. It's really what it's all about. So, you know, we're going to continue to work forward. I have some goals for this year. Um, and, you know, we're going to sit down. We have a meeting. Um, took a doodle poll. I said exactly when the meeting is going to be. It's looking like March 10th, but I don't want to put it in stone right now because, you know, we still have a few people that haven't responded. But, you know, we will get everybody together and have larger discussions and, uh, you know, go forward with, uh, you know, plans for the lake. But it's um, – it's like herding kittens. <laughs> it hasn't been done yet. You know, for the longest time, there was one entity, and that was Chautauqua Lake Association. Uh, now you have CLP. You have Jefferson Project looking at harmful algal blooms. Um, you've got Oneana State doing studies, Fredonia State doing studies, um, you know, NC State, uh, just a myriad of Dr. Green, Pouligeon from Bowling Green was in doing surveys. So the lake's been studied, and we're going to continue to use that science and formulate a plan. Mm-hmm. Now, last night you 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 use a phrase uh, not to let the cat out of the bag that you're hoping that this year you're going to be able to present a plan. Are we ta- are we thinking that this is something like late this year or is this how soon are we can we expect this? Not sure. I guess it's going to be up to the legislature and the appetite they have. Um, there are a few things I'm looking at doing that would, you know, again <clears throat> with thanks to our 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 state representative Senator Barillo and Assemblyman Godot have fought hard for. Um, you know, thing, money for Chautauqua Lake. I have a request in and have had a request in since last spring for $15.6 million to finish and fund the Jefferson Project study through 2026, which is the end of their scope. Um, there, are, uh, there are several other benefits that could come about this, but those, again, are, you know, wait to be seen, and, and we have to look at what, what, what comes out of it. Jefferson Project is looking to come up with what they call a smart lake model. So looking at the science, I mean, they have sensors that are taking, you know, a million readings a second, if that's even possible. Um, then they're, they're looking at the tributaries. They're looking at sedimentation. They're looking at the, the genome of the water. I mean, it, the science is crazy what they're doing. Um, so I had that request in for the governor. Uh, sat down with Assemblyman Goodell. He asked what our needs were. You know, we did. I discussed those. Um, we asked for two millions, two million dollars of a line in a light item for you know Chautauqua Lake maintenance fund from New York State. Uh, we also asked for funding through the Jefferson Project for this upcoming year. So there's a lot of requests. Um, you know, and unfortunately, like anything else, you you know you can only ask mom for so much money <laughs> before they just say you're not getting anything. So you know we are tactful and we are making those requests to the governor. Um, and again, it's not with a strong fist, but just you know these. These are things that are needed, and it's going to give us that science to then, you know, have a solid plan going forward. So, uh, again, uh, you know, there's a couple of things we're looking. The other thing I'm looking at is, as Don Emhart mentioned, a lake user fee. Uh, for boaters, and this has been going on in other parts across New York State, other lakes. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. If you look, you know, I, we have people get online and check the responses. A lot of people feel the boaters and the people that use the lake should be, you know, paying for the lake. I don't disagree with that. Um, you know, so again, and I've talked to many boaters who said, yeah, well, as long as that stays there. And that's why that boater's fee is something I've been supporting. And also the nine-member board, because now it's 
it's not the county taking the money and using it for administrative fees or overhead or something. No, it's funding that's going to sit there. Um, but there's a couple of other things that have happened in this year's budget and last year's budget that should lend us to some opportunities. Um, so I will be discussing those in the state of the county. But um, what I'd like to establish is a continuous and a, a sustainable funding source for the lake, um, either to subsidize something we get from the state or maybe to be the, the main stakeholder. But again, not to bear it on the taxpayers in Chautauqua County, but those who use the lake, those who come here to visit. So, you know, a few ideas and we'll, you know, we'll get those out in March. Mm-hmm. One of the things that <clears throat> had bipartisan support in uh, the legislature last night, including someone who you know used to be head of, of a political party speaking at privilege of the floor was the issue about Brooks hospital and, uh, and there was a motion that was unanimously approved. Uh, obviously, we always say motions have no teeth. They're more or less just, this is how we feel. We feel strongly about this issue, and we're no- putting you on notice to New York State at least. So in terms of what's going on with the Brooks Hospital plan, I mean, you know, it, it requested that Governor Hochul release, if I added this right, $74 million in state funding mm-hmm. for the new hospital. And you've been working on this for a while now, where where are things now? I, I I hate to say we're probably no nowhere different than where we were when I started in office three years ago. Um, you know, it, it, unfortunately, you know, this isn't the governor's hands. I mean, I hate to say it. Last year, I was I they sent they called me and said we'd like to put this in the governor's state of the state address. Would you know? And, and you know, their quote was low hanging fruit. You know, let's get some things, get some accomplishments and some victories. I'm all for it. There are some considerations that have to be understood. I said there's a, you know, you need to look at what has been happening with Brooks Hospital over the years because my biggest fear is they're going to give them the money. I'm not saying give them, but the money is going to get involved in the project. And all of a sudden, what do we do if the money runs out? If that's for, if, if they're there to maintain the model of their currently operating at, and all of a sudden they have <clears throat> their hemorrhaging funds, which has already been established. And it's, it, you know, these are facts. These aren't things that my, like I have an animosity towards Brooks, not at all. Um, but, you know, there are, the model has some questions um, as far as their sustainability financially. My biggest concern is they get the funding and the money's run out and the, the, the hospital isn't finished. You know, prior to this, this large sum of money that Cuomo, Governor Cuomo first put um, in, aside for Brooks, and now, you know, Governor Hochul has it as well, um, they were supporting Brooks quite substantially, um, the Department of Health, with funding for two years prior to that. And what was asked is they need to have a sustainable financial model moving forward. And I, at this point, I, I don't think that's, that's been seen by the state. Uh, you know, again, we convened a, a blue ribbon commission, if you will. Rick Ketchum was a, a CEO of the hospital for uh, many, many years. 22 out of his 23 years at the helm, they were in the black. One year, it was a, a small uh, you know, deficit in the budget. But you have Rick Ketchum, who, and now he's gone on to, if you go out to Utica area and uh, uh, Rome, there's a huge hospital. Actually, he combined a public and a private Catholic hospital together to, that conform, to form this new uh, medical center down there. And so he has the tools, he has the ability and the experience. Uh, along with him, we brought in Chuck Nazaro, who spent many, many years uh, as a fiscal officer with WC and then later UPMC Chautauqua. So... Uh, the financial minds, the leadership was there. Uh, there was another gentleman, I think it was Jim Cooper from the Elmira area. Again, extensive experience in hospitals and larger, um, you know, hospital uh, models. Since this all took place, Mary LaRoe, the former CEO, has resigned. Uh, they 
promoted Ken Morris uh, into that position. Ken comes here via Texas with the University of Baylor Medical Center. So he is well aware of running a hospital as part of a larger conglomerate. So what does that mean for Brooks? That means the governor has to release the funding. Uh, very scary that last week she uh, released $650 million to distress rural hospitals across New York State, I believe is the phrase. But either way, what, whatever it's called, you know, UPMC Chautauqua received nearly $30 million. Several hospitals throughout New York State received millions of dollars. Why did they not release that money to Dunkirk? You know, we can't even say it's political because, you know, as you see, you know, Mayor Rosas is a very strong ally, as was in the paper, of the governor. You know, they just received a $10 million DRI grant. So, Governor, you need to get them the money. It, it, it's, you know, how many times do you ask before, you know, finally something gets done? And it's tough. And we're going to continue to push this. Um, you know, uh, again, I would go with Kevin Maldani. Very, very few things uh, that Norm Green says that I agree with. But, you know, last night we do need to urge the governor to make this. Um, I would be very, 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 very cautious uh, with Mr. Green's uh, statement that the county should get involved in, in the hospital. Um, you know, if you talk to Mark Polencars at ECMC, uh, and I've talked to several county executives who, uh, on the contrary, had nursing homes that, you know, and wished they would have privatized them prior to COVID because that was a huge financial burden. Um, I, very much the same here. If we would have had our, our, our nursing home, we, st we would have been in a huge, huge financial deficit right now because of COVID and things that were happening. Um, so I would be very reluctant, very, very reluctant to even consider something like this uh, because again it would be you know the state's not going to give a million dollars a year in sustainability for overages with brooks model the county taxpayers should be doing that and trust me as an emt and a firefighter i know how critical like you know those life-saving skills are up there um you know it's kind of a tragedy of what happened you know t the the lakeshore hospital was started and funded by community members People in that community raise money. Parents and grandparents of, of people, you know, my age have said, you know, we're going to give money every month to have our own community hospital. They raised the money themselves. It wasn't like they had a big a Kaleida or UPMC or, uh, you know, Baylor Medical Center come in and say, we're going to set all this up for you. Um, so that hospital is running when it merged them with Brooks and for Brooks to close it. You know, when this model of, you know, we have a hundred year old hospital. Well, TLC Lakeshore is not 100 years old. Uh, so personally, I think the model, um, although I understand that the necessity of having something close in downtown Dunkirk, um, the strategy for, you know, the system itself of two hospitals would have been to, you know, make an an analysis of which, which is the best option and focus that. <coughs> Again, they could have had, you know, urgent care, um, just smaller MASH type hospitals at Brooks. Uh, and then obviously, as Rick Ketchum has said, there's there were modifications made to the latest addition to that could be built onto. So there's a lot there. Um, you know, the argument, well, it's a hundred year old hospital. So is WCA and it still works. If it's maintained and it's run properly and it's taken care of, it will last a hundred years. So uh, there's a lot to it. And I, I, again, strongly urge the governor, she needs to release the funding. Let's get this project moving. Let's get something going because you know, that $75 million hospital I'm sure has gone up considerably. So again, will that be enough? to get this off the ground, but you got to get the money to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And, you know, looking at the list of people who are in this, you know, what do you call blue ribbon commission, you know, tons of experience, but when it comes down to it, you know, any plan that comes out of Brooks Memorial is going to come from their board. And 
it really, I mean, it's not like you can go in and demand them to say, hey, release your plan. But it, that sounds like that might be one of the things holding up the funding from the state. Correct. And, and you know, we don't, you know, my job is not to micromanage or to come in and tell Brooks what to do. It's they know the state has given them guidelines that they have to meet in order for this money to be released. And they need to consider that. And that has to be first and foremost, top priority. And I really don't know what else there is to say without, you know, stepping on toes. They need to get that job done and they need to get that plan to the state. And if not, they need to work feverishly and tirelessly to make sure that they are doing what the state needs. Thank you for the, the update on at least what's, what what yeah. is going on currently mm-hmm. with Brooks. Uh, moving on to another uh, topic, you know, kind of current events thing. Uh, earlier this month, February 3rd, uh, there was a train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, that uh, led to hazardous materials being released into the ground and atmosphere around there. Some of it was in a controlled response to that derailment. And uh, there's been a lot of concerns that people brought up because we see similar Pay, I guess, similar loads on trains coming through Chautauqua County. And what are the plans for if something like this happens here? Is the county ready for this? It, you know, is, are we ready? Yeah, I firmly believe we are ready. Are we ready for whatever could happen? That's yet to be seen. You know, we don't know. You know, people don't realize, you know, we talk about what's in rail cars running through the northern part of the county, Westfield, Ripley, Area, Dunker, Fredonia, and Silver Creek. But, you know, what people don't realize, too, is what runs right along Route 86. You know, if you see a, a trailer... Uh, carrying a, uh, a small, uh, oh, what do they call them, <laughs> kind of like a cylindrical or a, uh, a tanker inside of a steel frame, it, it's meant that for a reason. You know, those things are, are, are you know, uh, I don't say dangerous, but they're cautious materials. They, they're, that's why they're not just put in a regular freight car, a regular, you know, um, trailer on, uh, on a tractor trailer on a semi. Uh, if you look on our, you know, on a rail car, I great friend of ours uh, lives right along the railroad tracks. And there's sometimes you catch 20, 30 of those black tanker cars going by. Is it milk? Is it oil? Is it corn syrup? Is it toxic chemicals? We don't know because those placards aren't on the side like you would see on the side of a tractor trailer because the, you know, obviously the derailment, if it were to occur like this, the, that, the, the bill of lading would always be in you know, the conductor's hands and they would know exactly where things are in, 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 the, uh, in the train itself. Uh, so, you know, are we ready? Very confident we are ready. Our hazmat team is always at the ready. Dan Infeld was a former hazmat coordinator, now Chris Wicklack, Noel Gutman, emergency services director. They're on top of this. We have had derailments before in Ripley where we've called in the state. They're here immediately. Federal government is here as well. So for a, a small, you know, ruralist county, as we're called, I feel we are very ready. Um, now, again, has any is anybody going to be re- be ready for the derailment that they saw in East Palestine? No, I mean, and, and again, you know, you pray that those things never happen. Uh, I don't know. I can't say for hundred percent certainty that those chemicals are traveling on our rails, but I'm sure there are chemicals that you know provide a, a huge hazard. My big concern, though, is because of the proximity to Lake Erie. Um, you know, if if let's say you were to have a, a a smoke cloud or a vapor cloud that travels across one, how is it going to affect our vineyards and the grapes around that area, which is a main livelihood for many people. Then it gets into Lake Erie. Now you're looking at, you know, is the water contaminated? What types of, you know, potential hazards are there? 
Uh, you know, we did get several emails and concerned citizens, angry citizens questioning the county and why we are not giving day-to-day air quality reports. Well, you have to realize that we are nearly 200 miles away from this. And although there are winds that blow, every time the wind blows, that dissipates more and more. And if you saw today, even uh, Secretary Buttigieg was standing right next to one of the tankers. It was there. So without any PPE, without any masks or, or respirators, et cetera. Um, I'm not downplaying what happened one bit. It is tragic. You know, and there are things that have happened to residents, livestock and animals. But people have to realize, you know, that goes into the water or goes into a water source. Well, it can go to the Ohio River. The Ohio River, yes, it goes into, I'm not sure if it's north or south of Pittsburgh, but it does go into the Ohio. But in order for that to get to Chautauqua County, you would have to flow against the current up into the Ohio, to the Allegheny River, up into the Chattacoin, and then into Chautauqua Lake. Likelihood, very unlikely. Um, as far as water getting into the groundwater, the, 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 uh, the water table, uh, I'm not sure how it works, but I don't know of any water sources that have ever run from south to the north. Uh, once water goes down into that subterranean levels, you know, I don't think there are massive rivers that flow opposite. Just the logic behind it is very questionable that, that those contaminants would end up in our area. Is this a concern? Yes. People, you know, called me and were very irate, very angry. Uh, so I reached out to an old government emergency services director and he said, yep, I'm sitting here. I was told Erie County's monitoring Cattaraugus County. And he says, that's a firm no. And he was sitting right next to the Erie County emergency services director and the Cattaraugus County emergency services director as they were both at a conference. Um, New York State Department of Homeland Security and Emergency Services, um, Office of Emergency, Ma- emergency Management, they are aware of what happened and this is not on their radar as far as the necessity to monitor air quality or such. So we are walk- working, we are watching what's going to happen should this catastrophe and tragedy occur here in Chautauqua County. I feel very confident um, that our first responders will be able to handle this. Uh, We have top-notch responders, not only from our county, but neighboring counties as well. Uh, Again, so, you know, we pray those things don't ever happen, but I know, uh, you know, in the Dunkirk-Fredoni area, you have two paid uh, fire services. You know, they work in mutual aid with uh, Brockton and Portland and Westfield and Ripley. Uh, We have, you know, groups we work out of Northeast Pennsylvania with quite... uh, quite extensively and you also have Erie County's hazmat team from the city of Buffalo or Erie County so uh, I feel very confident you know we have the tools but is anybody ever ready for something like that yeah I don't know you know but we are as ready as as we can be right now Um, so again you know rest assured to the residents we are one we have been watching and monitoring this and two you know we do have a very solid team of individuals who would take care of an accident like this mm-hmm. with norfolk southern having rails in chautauqua county is there anything you hoping to see them do or anything that you think could help prevent something like this happening again well i think you know you have to find out what what how did this happen first of all you know and i saw today the ntsb was down there and and what was the cause of the derailment was it a faulty car was it a faulty rail now you know we talked about these trillions of dollars of infrastructure you know what has been done since that money came out? Have they said, we're going to start doing, you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands or millions of miles of rail in New York and, in, in, you know, the, the United States? I, I don't know. You know, they throw it out there. We're going to do this. Well, two years ago, they talked about it. Where are we? We're still no further ahead, um, you know, with, with our improvements to the infrastructure when it comes to rail. Uh, Again, that's that's up to the federal government. You know, they really have a, a stronghold on uh, the rail industry in Norfolk Southern and another big conglomerate, CSX. And you know, 
they're the ones who have to start, you know, banging the gong and getting the money. So, you know, we have to find out how this started. Uh, what was the root cause? Was it a tanker malfunction? Um, you know, and again, I don't, I don't know what happened to cause this. So I don't know what, you know, measures could be, you know, taken anymore. Um, you, you know, you're talking massive amounts of freight. I mean, there's thousands, you know, thousands of tons in a train. Uh, they don't stop on a dime. And, you know, once something happens, it's, you know, this could have been a half a mile back from, you know, the conductor who, you know, back in the old days, they probably didn't have the sensors they have now. He, he may not have ever known, you know, if this thing, if the car is on couple, it derails, he looks back and just happens to see a mushroom cloud. Uh, there's going to be a, you know, a little bit of a pucker factor for that, uh, <laughs> that conductor. But, you know, again, I don't, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's not like it was, uh, you know, speed was too fast. I, I don't know. You know, we have to get to the bottom and determine the cause of this. And then obviously Norfolk Southern needs to take the preventative measures. But I think if anything, it just heightens everybody's awareness as to what is on these rails. Um, the, the toxic chemicals we use in our day-to-day lives, uh, those types of things really need to, you know, be paid attention to. And, you know, it's ironic. We haven't heard anything from, um, you know, all these, uh, these, uh, you know, conservationists, you know, we, I haven't seen anybody out, and I'm not quite sure why. You know, a lot of our, our green, uh, you know, the Greenpeace and other people that were, were the protesters, you know, talking about this, you know, contamination and what's happened. It's, it's been a grassroots from the, the people there. But, you know, you don't see these large, you know, nationwide organizations coming in and, you know, picking up, putting up their banners saying, we protest, we oppose of this. And, you know, it's just everyone's been pretty quiet on it, including the presidential administration. I mean, 10 days later, the Secretary of Transportation finally shows up. I don't know. To me, uh, if I were in that role, that would have been the first place I was. I mean, I'm, I'm that type of guy. I would have been boots on the ground. You know, let's get to the bottom. What's happening? And again, I think it's, it's unfortunate, you know, too little too late for these people. Um, and hopefully, you know, the, the, there wasn't any, you know, significant, you know, toxic damage. But it's just, it's funny, you know, we, we, you know, we talk about, you know, still talk about green energy and pushing this agenda, but I haven't seen any of the, uh, you know, those people pushing for green energies talking about this, you know, catastrophic event to our environment. And you mentioned federal infrastructure monies, and we, we have had federal monies that we have shown up in Chautauqua County. And in fact, for uh, the there's federal monies that or and or state monies that came forward for the uh the expansion of the sewer project along chautauqua lake and as a result the legislature has been has voted to reallocate i and i you probably know the number better than i do I, when i was adding up it was almost around six million dollars in american rescue plan funds last night so where where's the county stand right now uh do you know how much is now that you have left, now that things have changed? Correct. Yeah, we, we, we're looking at uh, somewhere in the neighborhood between $1 and $2 million. There's a couple of smaller, you know, some of these projects go out and they're, uh, the price, the, the bid, if you will, or our price projection has been higher than what the actual cost was, or we've been able to find savings, which is great. Uh, in other cases, um, you know, we've, uh, we've, you know, bid something out or gone to bid in case we were looking at a rescue boat for Chautauqua Lake and we went out to bid and uh, unfortunately with the rise after COVID of metal and so it came back higher. Um, so it's a, it's a give and take all throughout the balance, you know, as you go through this process. Um, you know, the request last night was to take $7 million and reallocate that towards Lake. For what, uh, how? You know, we, we, when you look at what we have allocated and appropriated for 
ARPA funding. It is very specific. There are very detailed plans and a cost uh, that goes along with it. We don't just say, oh, we're going to set $7 million up and let's leave it, because that money has to be spent by 2026. And to spend $7 million in the next two, th- two three years is quite substantial, something that hasn't been done in the history of Chautauqua Lake. So, again, duly noted, but we need any – and it's interesting because, you know, several of the people, you know, that – requested that money last night were in total opposition of the statement of $10 million in taxes being raised for the lake. What's it going to be spent on? Well, what's the $7 million going to be spent on? We just want to put it in a fund and we'll tell you how to spend it. Uh, we are looking at ways to get funding sources in and allocating funds, certainly. Uh, but $7 million is it. And if you look at what we did last night, what we are looking at are projects and programs that were going to be beneficial to county residents, not one specific area. My memory serves me during our campaign. It was very critical of my decision to allot that $7.5 million for the this, this sewer project because, again, as my opponent said, well, you're just giving it to rich people from Cleveland and Pittsburgh to give. Well, that was the only area, town, if you will, that we was very specific but we also gave that to the Chautauqua, or south of center Chautauqua Lake Sewer District. It didn't go to the town of North Harmony because we can't give it to towns and municipalities. So, again, questions of focusing on one area is, in, is what we tried to get away from. If you look at our projects now, these are encompassing multiple, you know, something that can be used throughout all of Chautauqua County. Projects that can be um, universally used and not focused on any one specific area. Uh, so, yes, we, we've reallocated the funding. Uh, there have been some some advancements, some improvements. Um, you know, I know how much money's left. Uh, again, there will be some more coming out in the state of the county requests. Uh, that will be, and, and I do, we do have a request in for um, some more um, uh involvement with Chautauqua Lake. So that'll come out uh, again with the state of the county address. But yes, there is uh, obviously, and again, I was asked that question at the Alliance meeting, you know, are you going to reallocate that $7 million to the lake? And I said, we will put in a substantial part, but not all 7 million. Um, You know, and the the men and women of the legislature last night would tell you that, you know, everybody has projects that they would like to see in their districts take place. So um, again, uh, we are looking at that money, but it's it spent very, very diligently. Um, when I started this, I look back to several things I heard as a legislator that we received tobacco settlement money to the tune of $20 million. And that money was spent almost as fast as it came in. And what did we have to show for it? Um, many criticisms of how frivolously it was spent, bad investments, et cetera. My goal was that was not going to happen on my watch. I was going to make sure that we got the best bang for our buck, um, we are, you know, moving forward with projects. We're using money to try to leverage more money. Obviously, we, there's been an email going back and forth. Uh, we have worked with ECC to our broadband expansion. That is something we are working with um, extremely hard. Uh, we also have uh, joined in with a grant opportunity with uh, in the tri-state area between Ohio, Ashtabula County, Erie County, and Chautauqua County, working with Brenton Davis, their county executive, and uh, some great opportunities from Appalachian Regional Council money. So we are looking to, you know, how, how far can we make that $2.5 million go to expand broadband? So unfortunately... <clears throat> This takes time, and it's something people that know me, I'm an anxious person. I don't like to wait, but unfortunately, that's what I have learned in this job is, you know, take advantage of things that move quickly, but there's others that just take time, and and we're going to, you know, we're pushing constantly to move these things forward. So, um, again, 
you know, uh, we do repurpose the funding. We have reallocated the money, and I feel very confident in our decisions that are being made um, and the investments we're making in the county. Mm-hmm. To cherry pick a couple items that received funding last night, one of the things I noticed was this consolidated code enforcement study. What What is this study looking at, going to look at? Well, so what we found in Chautauqua County, 27 towns, 13 villages, and two cities, and each of them have their own form of code enforcement. Some pretty extensive, some pretty dedicated, some very sparse. Um, some towns only provide two to six hours of code enforcement a week. Um, if you're building five houses in, let's say, the town of uh, Carroll, and your code enforcement officer is only there six hours a week, um, that's very challenging. You know, code enforcement officers aren't always, and there are people that have some pretty extensive backgrounds in building construction, um, and they do take a lot of training that goes through New York State. But the concern was, is that, you know, the could we do better with a consolidated um, code enforcement team? Uh, there are some, you know, some towns and villages that have, um, you know, their own needs and their own uh, concerns going forward. <clears throat> what people have to understand is code enforcement. There's a universal building code um, in New York State, and that is what they're looking to enforce, the universal building code. That has nothing to do with your zoning codes. Your zoning, your zoning board of, um, is going to, you know, dictate those. It's going to spell them out, and then towns and villages are going to enact them. So when we talk about code enforcement, it's not zoning enforcement. It's not, you know, how close to the property are you going to be building your building? What this looks at is to make sure that all the wiring is, is the proper way, making sure all your plumbing, you're not using, you know, thin walled, you know, pipe, or you're not using, you know, PVC when you're using steel pipe, if you're talking about gas and other types of, uh, uh, you know, fuels coming into the home. So, you know, that universal code enforcement is something that the towns met with me on when I first took office. It was January of my first uh, year in office. And we wanted to move this forward. Obviously, with COVID, things just kind of kind of stopped. It's a challenge because, you know, how do we divvy that up with 27 towns? I know Town of Busta has one and a half or maybe two full-time individuals dealing with code enforcement. Some towns have one person, like I said, that works just a couple of hours a week. Uh, so we are looking at that. The studies. uh is being conducted as to how we can, you know, bring everything together. You know, some of the town supervisors said, well, you know, charge us an hourly rate and then we will pay, you know, let's say, hey, we have, uh, you know, these new buildings coming in or home inspections or fire inspections. So there are ways that, um, you know, we can do, we could, you know, have this funded. I think what's important for people to realize is what I've said all along and in no means critical of our towns and villages but we know that the cost of everything is going up. But in this case, if the towns and villages are not able to provide a service and they're looking for ways to have assistance, so where does that fall on the county? So when one group isn't able to do it, it then falls back on the county. So there are certain times where it becomes a challenge that, you know, we don't want to do anything and we can't afford to do anything. Well, that's, that's your problem now. It's the county's. So people need to keep that in mind. The intent isn't to, you know, burden the county with this but for everybody to work together and be able to enforce the universal building codes in Chautauqua County to make sure we have safe homes especially with the governor's new push to have you know thousands hundreds of thousands of new homes constructed in New York State so it's unique uh, but again something we've been working on and we're going to continue to push Mm -hmm. and with the cities, I presume same as for city of Dunkirk and Jamestown, is that they have their own code enforcement. So they're not part of this study per se. Not per, not part of it, but I'm sure um, you know any assistance that they would need, we would always lend them. 
Um, you know, you got again, you've got it's so unique. You've got you know two cities uh, as large as we are. And if you look at Erie County, they've got one city, the city of Buffalo. If you look at Niagara Falls, the city of Niagara Falls. Um, you know, Chautauqua County is very unique in, in our in our own structure and how we have things set up. Um, so again, yeah, they you know our, our cities have their own code enforcement, but you know how can we provide services to smaller communities uh, that have just as much of a need as anybody else, um, but because of budgets and constraints uh, are somewhat limited as the services they could provide. So that's really what we're looking at. Back again, you know, my statement of efficient, effective county government. Mm -hmm. So, and another thing, uh, moving totally in opposite direction, but on an ARPA-funded uh, item is that there was this waterways master plan and then that was proposed. And this was looking at the Martin Cobb waterway trails. And I think those trails run throughout Chautauqua County, but it looked like this plan was looking mostly at the southern water, waterway trails, especially where it tied in with the Chattaquin River. What, what is this plan looking to do? I think what we're looking, um, you know, to get down to a solid plan moving forward, making sure the investment's made, making sure we're finishing projects we may have started or updating projects that already took place, but, you know, kind of getting things back on track. Um, there are some projects that got either abandoned or have been neglected just over time because of funding sources, you know, kind of deferred maintenance in our buildings. Uh, really, the same thing happens when we look at our waterway trails. And there are people that love to come and hike and access those waterways in Chautauqua County that aren't, you know, the Chautauqua Lake or Finley Lake, Bear Lake, Casadega Lake. You know, they're bigger lakes. There, there are small waterways. It has a lot of canoeing and kayaking. So uh, we are making sure that we go back finish up those plans to make sure they're um, those places are accessible they're still maintained uh, you know if you look at the waterway system in Chautauqua County those uh, you know the Cobb signs are all over the place uh, as far as you know the investments Chautauqua County made uh, but because of deferred you know cost in the budget we those those places have you know had reduced funding over the years so the money is now to get back and getting that plan back in place and making sure we're taking care of those uh, investments we've made in the past mm -hmm. and if I think about that I mean the County Parks Department is a rather small department with a really hefty load for maintenance of the different trail system very very small department <laughs> big heavy load yeah correct so we're you know we're looking at how can we get the most and uh, you know the most out of that money and you know we have seasonal employees that are here uh, mostly college kids or younger people so um, you know getting things uh, uh, taken care of and, and accomplished is sometimes challenging but nonetheless you know we're making a concerted effort to focus on that you know with our DPF and, and uh, making sure these the waterways and trails are maintained and taken care of going forward mm -hmm. We uh, alluded to the fact that the you know the things there's been things going on with the state budget and you know wanting the governor to release funds. Uh, we've now that it's been a couple of weeks since we've heard about the governor's proposed spending plan. Have you learned anything more, or have you you know how are things going forward with what you've been working on in regards to the state budget? What have I learned? I could tell you this this budget's the most crazy budget, and this governor has just really kind of come undone when it comes to what's happened. Um, you know. When you when you look at everything that from you know green energy initiatives to really it, it, the biggest thing that sticks out is the bullying. There's no other way to say it. It's it's theft. Um, you know they could say they're entitled to it, uh, but you know I just don't understand how the governor feels it's in the best interest of her administration to take a billion dollars from counties across New York State. Again, this is bipartisan. Uh, she's not attacking Republican counties over Democrat counties, you know, not, not at all. Uh, so in regards to EF map, and this is the big thing that's that's been going across the, the airwaves, if you will, 
Uh, we did get a letter from Steve Aquario, the executive director in ISAC, and said the governor has doubled down and she is not changing her stance on the EF map and uh, the pass-through. Uh, but I think what people need to realize is just what has happened. This isn't somebody that's a year or two in office. This is her first three or four months of her first elected cycle that she is now going to, in my opinion, take uh, you know, a billion dollars from counties. Uh, what needs to be understood is right now, New York State owes Chautauqua County $8 million in Medicaid reimbursements. They're not paying. So if the governor said, if the governor came out and gave me a bill, I said, I'm not paying, what would happen? Uh, doesn't go too well, right? And nor would the 62 other representatives that lead their counties, whether it's a business administrator or county executives, say we're not paying it. You know? But yet the governor could say, I'm not paying you. You're owed the money. Yes, we get it. And what people have to realize, too, is in Medicaid, the county pays 71% of all the bills. 71 cents out of every dollar is paid for by the residents of Chautauqua County. How did that come about? Well, in the mid-2000, 2015, or, or 12 to 15, somewhere in that area, Governor Cuomo said, no, we're not doing it anymore. It used to be a 50-50 split between the county and the state. Nope, we're only paying 29%. County, deal with it. So we don't have any control over who qualifies for Medicaid, but we have to pay the lion's share. But oh, and by the way, we're going to take the little money you do get. We're going to keep it for ourselves. That is the most ridiculous thing that anybody could ever sit back and say, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I mean, uh, it, it, it just makes no sense. Having said that, I reached out to Steve Aquario. <clears throat> And I said, you know, I think what needs to happen, Steve, is we need to people to understand in residence nationwide, if not anywhere else, especially in New York, that this isn't just $4.3 million this year. It's the $8 million they owe us. So you're at a price tag of $12.3 million. And Steve and I talked and Dan uh, McCoy, great friend, account executive from Albany County, again, bipartisan effort. Dan and I both made the same suggestion. We need to produce these numbers. And I said to Steve, you know, let's look at a, a five-year look back and a five-year projection. So NISAC, I, I believe, as he told me on the phone, was going to look into that. Um, so we're going to go back five years. So for argument's sake, the us eight eight years worth of reimbursements to, to the tune of $8 million. So let's say it's five, a million a year. So if we look back five years, they owe us $5 million. You add that to the 4.3 we're suspected to be hit with this year. Now, if you take that 4.3 and do not see any increase in Medicaid cost over the next five years, you're looking at $21.5 million it's going to cost Chautauqua County. Added on to that already $5 million. So you're looking at $26.5 million for the next five years Chautauqua County is going to be strapped with. Now, that's Chautauqua County. That's not Erie, Onondaga, Monroe, uh, Suffolk County, Nassau County, Albany County. I mean, these are big, major hits. And again, it's not the state's money. It's the county's monies from the federal government. It's not. And, and people have to realize the biggest push for the ARPA funding to be structured the way it was, part and parcel, was because of New York State. They take whatever the federal government gives counties. In these pass-throughs, it doesn't pass through. It goes to one area. I'll get it to you, and then it never comes. You know, it, it's, it's mind-boggling that, you know, whether it was a Cuomo administration or another Hochul administration, it's federal dollars to the counties, but we're going to take it well, because it's ours. We think we deserve it. You can't balance your budget. That's your own problem. You know, we have balanced our budget in Chautauqua County quite well, but why do I have to pay, make up 
and pay for the governor's inability to balance her budget. Not to mention the tough part about this, Julie, is that it's not going to the budget. It's going to the budget reserve to make yourself look good. So, oh, look what our reserve is. Well, if I'm a, if I'm the playground bully and I go take you know a buck from every kid on the playground, yeah, I'm going to look like I've got a lot of money in my pocket. But that's not how it's going. And it's unfortunate because she is not picking sides. She's doing this to everybody. And you brought up the point. This is money coming from the federal government. And uh, we, we had a, a re- release from uh, Congressman Langworthy last week, I think it was, uh, where he even shared the press release from New York uh, U.S. Senator Chuck Schumer from March 2020 saying, you know, I got this extra percentage for counties. And so we have someone in Washington, you know, in Congress who said we're going to get more monies for New York State, for the local municipalities. Can the federal government go, do they have any say, do you know, over how the state is allocating or not allocating these funds? They should have a lot of say, right? My opinion right now, and I know Congressman Langworthy's worked on, working on it, but I think the federal Senate and the Congress needs to say and make a law and restructure that payout directly to the counties, just like they did with ARPA. Again, you know, being, I was new at this, but the one thing I did learn is, and Tom Reed was very instrumental in in pushing for this as well. ARPA funding came directly to the counties. There was no pass-through to New York State. There was no pass-through just because of what we're seeing now. It's not going to pass through. It's going to go to the governor. It's going to stay in the state's hands. And pardon me, but to hell with the counties. This is what we want to keep. That, and if Senator Schumer standing outside you know, the, the other day he stood outside of the old Crawford building saying, well, I have a lot of pull now, as you know. We do know that. And your pull has to be to sustain the counties and make it right. This isn't partisan. This is bipartisan. She's taken from Republican, Democrat, conservative, whoever, working families. She, this money is being taken from everybody. Um, you know, one of the things I asked Steve Aquario to, to do is we start our NISAC conference on Monday, actually Saturday, Sunday night. But... I said, what we need to do is instead of doing an end of the conference press conference, we need to start with every single person there to speak out of all 62 counties and say how much we oppose what the governor's doing in FMAP alone. And that's only one piece of it. You know, if we look at the governor's expansion of housing, yeah, it's great. But what are we doing to bring people back to New York to fill those houses? The other piece that people aren't realizing is she wants to create a statewide commission that will, in essence, take away home rule. We've touched on this before. Let's say if somebody wants to build in the town of Busti, they go to the zoning board, they go to the board, they ask, this is what we want to do with this project. Look at how much money we're investing. Look at what's going to happen. This is a ripple effect. This is how it's going to impact. Great. And then the board decides, does it fit the model of, let's say, um, a comprehensive plan, or does it fit the model for the use of the property? If they say no, unfortunately, it's no. You know, the, the, the project developer can go back and, you know, make amends or try to make, you know, concessions with the board to get it passed. Right now, they could put their foot down and say, we do not want to build that. And the reason I'm using bus dice because that's where I live. We don't want that in our town. Well, this developer can go to the state and say, no, I want to build it here. And the state could say, hmm, yeah, we think that's a great idea. Go ahead. We're going to allow you to build it. So they're overruling the town and or village that has direct, it's directly impacted by that development. That is critical. It's taking away home rule. That's the governor, she's by this point worse than Cuomo ever was because I don't ever remember him doing away with home rule. That's in essence what she wants to do. The other piece that's out there is Article 11 of our foreclosure process. 
This year, the county was very, very fortunate in seeing profitability from our tax foreclosure sale. It's never happened. It's, it was a huge, huge victory for the county and just something that happened this year. Now, what they want to do is they want to take away um, that Article 11, which gives all proceeds above what is owed to the counties back to the county. For example, if I owe $150,000 in taxes and let me say, I owe 50000 If I owe 50000 in taxes, I can't pay it. My home or my business goes into foreclosure. If it's sold at auction for 150000 the county would then keep that remaining 100000 and put it into the general fund. The governor now wants to give that money back to the homeowner. So if I don't pay taxes on my business for three years and it goes into foreclosure and somebody buys it for more than what I owe on it, I get to profit from that? That's the most ludicrous. So what is encouraging anyone to pay taxes? It doesn't encourage anybody to. You know, it, it's, it's ridiculous. But again, in her eyes, somehow they, or not even her eyes, it's in her, her budget team. What has to be known is the governor herself is not employing New York State residents. If you look at many of the people that are filling cabinet positions, especially when it comes to budgets and other policies are from California. I found this out over the weekend. There's one person, Vinny Esposito, who we've reached out with with the budget process. He's one of a very slim number of people that are not from outside of New York State. So we're not even using New York State residents to create policy for New York State. We're bringing people in from other states, especially California, which, as we see, probably has some very liberal um, policies when it goes to governance. So what's wrong with New York State? If you're the governor of the great empire state, why are we not using state residents to fill your seats? Why are we bringing in policymakers and consultants from outside of New York State? That's very troubling. And I've said this before, it's troubling that we can elect an official that wins 13 out of 62 counties. Not even a third of the counties across New York State voted for this governor, and yet she's still in that office. Why? Because downstate, a heavily densely populated New York City wags the dog. It's the tail that wags the dog, and it's very unfortunate. So you look at these, this ludicrous budget she has going forward, and, and, and again, Senator Brello and Assemblyman Goodell are fighting constantly you know, about these just ridiculous um, things that the governor's taken on. This isn't you know, you know, a, a red county of Chautauqua making. This is every county across the state. In fact, Mark Polencar's is the president of Chicago, the uh, New York State County Executive Association. And listening to Steve Aquario, very, very, very staunch on his stance that this is not right and the governor needs to release these funds or to take it out of the budget to intercept. I mean, think of intercept. If you intercept a football, you get to keep it because they threw it up in the air. Well, that's kind of the governor. Well, it's going to be, it's going to be passed. Think of that as a pass. You know, the, the federal government is passing a chunk of money to Chautauqua County. She's getting intercepted and take it because she can. They're bigger and stronger, right? That's how we play the game. Very disappointing. It's very disappointing that that's what the leadership is, especially somebody who touts, you know, I'm a, I'm a New Yorker. I started in local town and village government. Well, you need to focus on that because those are the people you're hurting the most. And this is statewide. Mm-hmm. Well, next time we talk, I think you will have probably given your state of the county address. And so I look forward to being able to talk to you at our next time. I, I think we could probably talk for another hour here, but we don't have that much <laughs> right. time in uh, my show. So thank you, County Executive Wendell, so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me as always. Thanks.